everyone. Today I am talking to Marlo Granados, who is a writer and a filmmaker. She co-hosts The Mean Reds, a podcast dedicated to women-led films, and her advice column, Designs for Living, appears in The Baffler. After spending time in New York and London, Granados currently resides in Toronto. Happy Hour is her debut novel. Refreshing and raw in equal measure, Happy Hour is an intoxicating novel of youth well spent. Issa Epley is all of 21 years old and already wise enough to understand that the purpose of life is the pursuit of pleasure. She arrives in New York City for a summer of adventure with her best friend, one newly blonde, Gala Novak. In her diary, Issa describes a sweltering summer in the glittering city. Through it all, Issa's bold, beguiling voice captures the precise thrill of cultivating a life of glamour and intrigue as she juggles paying her dues with skipping out on the bill. Hi, Marlo. Thanks for being here. Hi. <laughs> As listeners and customers of St. Henry Books might recall, we were lucky enough to host a live stream launch for uh, Happy Hour back in who knows what time is. Um, September, you said, apparently. September, yeah. <laughs> um, and it flew right off the shelves, uh, you know, and I suspect uh, the same will happen Um Again, uh, this book is now coming out in the States. Is there a confirmed date for this? September 7th. Exactly. Almost exactly a year uh, from the Canadian. Well, technically, it's like it's like every other place that speaks languages, like English languages. <laughs> All the languages, actually, worldwide, it'll be out. The bigger the audience for this book, the better. Um so right before today's recording, I saw you post what is essentially a rave review by none other than Sheila Hetty. She calls the book delicious, which is exactly how I handled the book in stores not too long ago. You know, customers were coming in this very heavy year and just asking for a read that wasn't going to emotionally gut them, understandably, and Happy Hour stood out as the best thing I could offer with that in mind. A delicious novel is to me not the same as a good novel or a smart novel. And while happy hour is all of these things, it's ultimately so specifically delicious. And I wish I could write a delicious novel, Marlo. <laughs> as a writer, I wonder how does that happen? I understand walking into a writing process and wanting it to be good, but how do you go into it and come out with something delicious? Uh, I mean, so as I, we were kind of talking about before, I think that when you are creating a world in a novel, it's, it's so much depends on the environment and the places that your characters will go and how they uh, interact with those places. And I think that with Issa, like she prioritizes so much beauty and, things that really do make life worthwhile. I think with, and that's to do with like uh, being convivial and going out and having amazing foods and um, kind of getting away with things. And, and so I think that that's probably for me, like what this particular novel is like. And, you know, those things are generally speaking, seem to be uh, fun and, and, uh, quote unquote delicious to experience. So I think that, yeah, like I, I just don't, I don't prioritize these kind, these other kinds of things that um, I, I never want to make someone feel as we were talking about before, like, like really upset by the end of the novel. So I feel like for me, we want like some sort of uh, 
escape and um, adventure in a way that, but also like very feminine. And I think that's also like a really important part of my writing. Issa's wit though is like unmatched. Like I imagine talking to her in person, but also just reading her, you know, we're in her brain. Um, And as I had mentioned to you, it it seemed like the style of the prose was very classical. I I wanted to know if that was intentional. And I wanted to know if the narrative of like Marlo Granados's mind is is similar in that way, because if it is like, holy crap, <laughs> and that's just constant. You know what I mean? Or at least that's the way that you wrote Issa. It was mm. a constant smart sentence after smart sentence after smart sentence. I think that the, definitely the voice. And I think that she's one of those people that once you read her, it is like very hypnotic. And I think that she, I want I was interested in seeing how to, embed the, this idea of being charming in a voice and h- how that would work um, without like you actually experiencing it like in real life like how does it work to charm someone um, and you don't know who's reading so I think that that was one of the challenges there and again yes maybe a little bit it is some of my world for me in my mind and and I think that when I've talked about this before is that Issa Epley is very much like how I was in my early 20s after definitely three drinks. I feel like three drinks is like the threshold here. Um, And I once had a professor who, because I had written this novel, I was like writing this novel in university already. So um, I had a professor being like, is this like your version of uh, like Sasha Fierce or something (laughs) like <laughs> like this, like, this is your Sasha uh, yeah. Fierce. Obsessed. <laughs> Issa is your Sasha Fierce. Um, and you know, like I think that like that really is like a it's it's she's very fun, she's very glamorous, but also like I think that it's important to talk about the fact that she does come from a lineage of um previous writers. And I, you know, I read like a lot of writers, women writers in particular from you know, the early 20th century. And I think that uh, there has been a slew of characters like this, but often forgotten just because we think of like these light humorous novels as like not substantial enough. And I think that that's um, so misguided. And I wanted to bring that that kind of fun, vivacious voice uh, into the contemporary world. As a reader, that's super fun. It's confirmed it's fun. <laughs> As a writer, is it as delicious? Was the writing process delicious if the reading process was? Oh, writing is never fun for me. (laughs) I don't think it is for anyone. I feel like, I don't know. Like some people are like, well, why do you do it? Like why complain? It's funny because someone, I have the advice, the newest advice column is coming out like I think next week and someone had written in asking to give me, for me to give them a writing advice. And I was like, honestly, stay away. Like if you can, if you can just stay away from doing it. Cause it, it truly is not fun. Like, and I, like I would rather do so many other things. Like mm-hmm. my friend, um, uh, she like sent me this casting for like this ad or something. And, you know, I would rather do the audition tape for that than actually sit down to write anything. And that's saying something too, cause it's, it's not, 
it's I feel like some people would think that those things are embarrassing, but you know, what's more embarrassing writing. It's like <laughs> truly, I mean, I would so much rather just be, and I do believe that the living part is a lot of the writing part. And I, mm-hmm. I, I think you would agree, especially given like the nature of this book, but I am so much more interested in just doing the living part and being like, I, this is it. I'm doing the work of writing. That is willfully enjoyable but sitting down and I guess trying to capture the living is awful I guess yeah definitely and I think that okay so what's funny to me is that I one of the the things that I think was really quite difficult that I hadn't really seen in the books that I was reading like not the, the not the ones that are like my favorite books but the 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 other ones that got thrown in there um is that like, you know, it's really rare to have a character who is your narrator, who is part of the action and not just observing, but like actively taking part in what's happening. And um, to kind of balance that out where you are kind of you're writing like someone who's been drinking for like five hours how do you portray that? Like, how do you, uh, how can you really tell the audience that? Because when you're, when you've had like, you know, a million drinks after five hours, you're not like, oh, like she, and I was so drunk and whatever. You just think, think that what you're doing. You're not coherent. Yeah. No, not, I'm always coherent, but I, I'm always like, like five hours in, I'm like, what I'm doing is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And no <laughs> one can tell me different. And I believe everything that I'm saying. Like, wait, are we talking about drinking now or writing? <laughs> portraying someone who has been drinking for a long period of time, um, you know, and that's difficult to, to really map out. Cause also I don't like the idea that you're like, that you have a narrator who's like, so like drawn back and drawn away from the action. I want, I want like things from the, in the inside, like how does it feel to be like the center um, and to portray that in an authentic way that doesn't feel so forced. It's funny because it felt like Issa was the kind of person who, when she loved you, adored you, but when she didn't, almost not disdain, those are strong words, maybe disdain is the right word, but mostly felt bad for you. <laughs> I wondered, is that a, like an unfair reading? No. Okay. So the, this is the thing that with Issa that I always try and say, because people are always like, oh, it's you. And I'm like, well, it's not because she's actually much more generous and nicer. <laughs> like, and I feel like I'm actually quite like much more empathetic than some of my peers, I feel. Um, So, you know, I always tried to make her have this sense where I feel like to be very cruel is so easy. And like everyone can like, you know, throw off these, these like really scathing remarks. But the way that Issa uh, perceives other people and can see their weaknesses and also kind of like, draw back the layers of their own pretension and like inauthentic inauthenticity and stuff. I feel like that's so much more, um, true and it's not, it's not mean. I think that what she's doing is she's just like trying to show everyone's little, um, hiccups because the, her and Gala also have these uh, pretensions and all these like different um, uh, fakeries and da, 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 all these things. But I feel like the way that she perceives people is much more generous. And I think that 
And I think that um, in general and in life is much harder because, you know, sometimes to, to think of something nice to say about someone is very difficult <laughs> depending on who the person is. And, and like, I think that's a real skill to be like very generous. Um, so that was always like something and, and definitely writing it. I had to always remind myself, I was like, you know, like it is like, again, like to be cruel is so easy. And I feel like she says that in the novel. And I feel uh, that's something that is so admirable. And I always try to bring myself to that level when I am thinking a mean thought. (laughs) I scale it back and I'm like, you know what? That's not nice. Think of something else and think of the reason why that person might be doing that. That's that's all, you know. But is Issa doing that? In the novel, is she is she scaling back? I'm not sure she is. Really, Especially I think that she can be really. I think that if she wanted to be like really mean, like I think that she could. She's very. Um, well, it's also I mean in terms of like not even talking to the other characters and talking to me as the reader because there's an intimacy there, right? Mm. She can be really blunt as the like mm-hmm. as the narrator in a way that it won't hurt my feelings. She doesn't know who right. I am. Um, and so in those ways, I feel like she's like, there are moments where she's just like, reader, this person, let me tell you, (laughs) you know what I mean? Which I enjoyed, but I don't know if that's how she talks in real life. Right. I think that she's, she tries to be like much more refined and put together and, and again, like not outwardly rude, um, I think but we love this we love her I think anyways especially in contemporary fiction lately I love not a rude you know female character but a kind of a pompous and unlikable you know so they call it an unlikable character I actually find her incredibly likable but I think there's an, a part of the appeal and the charm charm is something mm-hmm. that you brought up is that she you don't feel like she's telling you anything other than the truth and moreover the witticisms that you put in you think she's just the way that she talks to you is an advice column right (laughs) which I (laughs) (laughs) interesting that's so interesting because I actually like I think that you have to be really um careful with her because like she definitely isn't telling you the truth about most things I think I see yeah I think that she's um and I think Gala always criticizes her for always trying to seem very composed and she's she knows that she's creating this narrative and it's all in her uh, control. But I think when you, when things happen to her or like when she's acting, I always say like out of pocket, let's say um, you can't really tell how out of pocket she's being. Cause you know, there's a part when she's like screaming out of like a cab, she's probably like way worse than what she's saying for sure. Like she's, she's always very particular, like understands her. She's not a reliable narrator. No, mm-hmm. no, totally not. Like, but the thing is though, is that you trust her because you want to be her friend, I guess. Because she's so charming. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's just kind of like an interesting dynamic to hold. And also just true of like those types of people that you are like, I want to be on this person. I want to like know what this person's going to tell me like at the corner of a party because then you feel like you're in, you know, like you, you, you're in with her and that's, and that's a special connection. Although I feel like she's also very, um, there was that funny tweet that I saw recently where it's like, there's the, like, it's a hot girl trick to be, to be, to tell you everything, but like not everything. And I like, basically that is that, you know, you choose what to tell people, but then otherwise like you're very 
you actually have your cards like really close to your chest. You have a similar line in a novel, but it's about a pretty girl trick, I think. Unless Who I'm knows? <laughs> I don't know. I actually haven't read the novel in so long. I don't know. <laughs> I just reread it. So <laughs> I think I'm right. Um, <laughs> You're right. Definitely. <laughs> um, on page 29, in describing a woman named Daisy, mm-hmm. she has a lot of what people consider moral fibers in quotes, moral fibers in quotes, which simply means a variety of fears instilled in you when you're young enough to be scared. Is fear a bad thing? In this lifestyle, yes. I think so. I think that um, when you're young and like you, like people, uh, when you're like in your early 20s, like you care so much about what people think of you. And I think that that's so unfortunate because like being young is like, should be the time when you like absolutely don't care. Um, And I think that, you know, for Issa and Gal, they don't really care. And that's what makes them so fun to be around because you're like, they never are like, oh my God, like people are going to be, think I'm so crazy tomorrow. Or like, I'm so embarrassed of what I said last night. And they have a tinge of that, but they really are good at like not um, falling into that trap. And yeah, like moral fiber, like who knows what morals are anymore? Like, I don't know. Like, who's to say? (laughs) I have no idea. Like, it's always changing, especially in this climate. I'm like, who knows anymore what what people think is right or wrong? And I think, like, ultimately, they, the girls kind of operate on that, like, where they don't. I think I've always been like this, where it's when something happens or someone's doing something, I'm always like, is that wrong? but why is it wrong? Or, you know, and I think that that's kind of like where you, you have to kind of be like almost like a a child in that way. Like where you're like, Oh, right. Like this is wrong because of this, but these girls don't have that very much. (laughs) It reminds me of a Zadie Smith um, quote. I, I I couldn't possibly remember in detail, but she sort of talks about the necessities of shame Mm -hmm. um, and how shame can be a good thing because, you know, especially when it comes to moral wrongdoings, if a person can feel the appropriate levels of shame, then they will want to be better. Mm -hmm. But I agree with you. In today's world, I don't, like, am I ashamed of every little thing? Yes. Should I be? No. Yes. I don't know. (laughs) It's a very hard question to ask. Um, But that's interesting. In this this context, fear, in this setting, in this world, fear is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. This novel also reads like a love letter to you know, many different things, but also people specifically, uh, it's fiction. So you, did you find yourself, you know, teetering a line between wanting to fabricate a world, world building while simultaneously accurately representing these people you love? You know, you've been transparent, for instance, I believe there's a real life gala in your life, mm-hmm. a real life best party girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Not to say that the book is autobiographical, but obviously there are these things that are replicated or at least you seem to try to replicate the spirit of it. Mm-hmm. Did you feel a duty to do right by this friend in writing the book? And and if you did, <laughs> what is doing right? If so. Um, you know, it's an ongoing conversation that we have. And Between you and Gala. Yeah. So Amazing. it's just funny because it's like, you know, she's known about this book like for a really long time, obviously. And um, I think it was probably like 2015 or 2016 where I actually like gave it to her to read. 
And she was like, I took a year to read it because I did not love the way it was. Well, because I think that also like if you can, if I, I would hope that I have described her in a particular way where there's this bridge between like what you can imagine real life gal is like. So she knows she, she is a chameleon and she's changed. She has like, you know, she's shed certain skins over the years. So for her, I think like she was like, God, like this is not how I remember how we were like. And this, what is funny is that like in our group of friends and we have like a, you know, I've had a core group of girlfriends uh, from in this particular group for like, like 15 years now. Um, so like, you know, the other girls backed me up and they're like, this is exactly <laughs> how you guys were like. Uh, and <laughs> You know, I think that's like really funny and, you know, but she's always like, you made me out to be like a hick or something. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> no, I didn't get that reading. I know, I but she, she's, she's very like, I think that she has um, definitely grown with it. I think that she's read it a couple of times now over the years. And I think that she's, you know, I think for her and for me, sometimes what happens is that we remember, we like misremember things and I'll be like, no, like I wrote that. I made that up. And then she'll be like, no, like you didn't make that up. That was like a real thing that happened. And I was like, I don't remember. Cause now it's like, it's, it doesn't, it's like our actual memories don't even exist anymore. It's like truly just like the novel. And we're like, Oh, that. And it's like, I actually can't really pinpoint certain aspects of the summer when I was 21, but the novel has now taken shape that that's just like what we think has happened. <laughs> it's just yeah. that's that's it <laughs> but I did I answer your question I don't think I did I don't know I, I don't think <laughs> 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 no I mean it was a great answer but I, I still want to know if I think because I just one of the joys of being able to do this podcast is like I'm still not sure if I'm a writer and that's okay mm -hmm. like I don't have to be I'm a reader for sure I'm a good reader um but one of the joys is that I get to talk to people who I think are actually good writers. Mm -hmm. And so I guess out of my own insecurity, I get to be like, ask these questions. Um, and so first of all, I guess the question is, do you believe in like the age old thing of you're a writer, your friends have signed up to be part of the script that is your life. And if you do or don't, it still ended up happening in this novel. Mm -hmm. um, and did you feel a responsibility to do right by them? Now you've gotten the feedback. I get it. Gala. Right. As she would normally, as of I'm course. sure you would. Anyone will. Um, but was that, was that something that motivated you or was you were even concerned with in the writing process? Um, I think that there were like a couple of things that I more so like actual details about like their lives that I had to like like censor out I think um and that was like the main thing I think that you know it's more or less like I don't my friends don't really think of me as a writer I don't know why they just they're just like oh like that bother you no but I don't even really identify as a writer I don't even know what that means like I, I it's a lifestyle that I don't I don't um really like to accept but I think that they all because also like you know Nicholas is also like based on one of my friends um and they were just like okay like you do it 
just do it and then we'll see. And, you know, they, I think that's as supportive as it gets. They signed, they had to sign like a contract. Like I own them basically. (laughs) That's spicy. That's like a power dynamic in the relationship. Um, Yeah, I guess it is. I mean, when is there, when isn't it like that though? It's like, <laughs> so, right. I mean, okay. I don't, ne- I don't necessarily think that like, I was like, oh yeah, like I need to do right by them and be like, oh, they didn't like to like maybe uh, like not include certain things perhaps, or like certain things like maybe that they didn't say in real life. And then I put it in there and it makes them seem like an asshole, like whatever. <laughs> like, I think that ultimately they, I just try to like give them some privacy. And I think that's the main thing. I don't, I also think that like in the same way where sometimes it happens when people date me, it's like, listen, I'm not going to be out here being, I'm not like here to be like, I'm a writer. So I have to experience everything. It's so cheesy. Like I can't, like I'm truly just me first. And then after that, like, I guess writing comes after. And if you happen to, if you slip into the story, I don't know, like that's just what happens sometimes. I think, and again, I don't want to push that this book is autobiographical, but I think that's the most Issa answer you could (laughs) give. (laughs) That tracks. That tracks. Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I love Frances Ha, the film. Mm -hmm. And so it was a great treat to recently have been introduced to a 1978 film uh, by Claudia Whale. Whale? Do you know if I'm pronouncing it? Whale? I've never said it out loud, actually. It's a great, great, great film that you have seemed to be a fan of, but mm-hmm. I only just recently saw it. It's called Girlfriends. Um, and there's more than a few similarities between the two films, Francis mm-hmm. and Girlfriends. Both films, like Happy Hour, are interested in the romanticism of female friendship. Do you think our contemporary culture, and I guess specifically our artistic culture, the arts world, is still ignoring this romantic place that's so ripe with drama and dialogue ignoring it I don't know I think that like overlooking it I don't know I just don't think that they're getting the right people to do it maybe like Mm. I think that there obviously is so much to write about I think that like friendships are the most painful um whenever there's like a conflict it's like the it's the most like stressful thing that I will ever go through is like a friendship like way more than dating way more dating I could care less I I like literally like I'm like whatever like I'll I'll cry for like a day and I'm over it the next day but friendships I'm like I will that's just because you're a Scorpio yes maybe but the thing is though with friendships like I if someone will ask me what happened between me and a friend that someone I used to be friends with, no matter how many years have passed, the same passion about what, how the ending happened, I can conjure up like nothing. I'm like, and then this, and then she did this. And then I didn't like her boyfriend and it was her. She, she let her boyfriend talk to me like this and it was so fucked up. And that, and it's like, it's like it happened yesterday. And that's like how I act all the time. Um, I hope that more people is that specific to female friendships. Do you think, you know what I do to my guy friends? I don't talk to them for like weeks, <laughs> weeks and weeks. And, um, they always say this to me where it's they like, can't stand that they'll be like, 
Marla, what the fuck? You haven't talked to me like three months and you were mad this entire time. What's wrong with you? And I was like, I was punishing you with my silence. And that is it. Like, you don't even get a chance to like, I will come round to you eventually once I've forgiven you. But I, I'm not going to do that right now. Like, I just so like stone cold silence, like nothing. <laughs> I think that's a really female thing because my male friends say the same thing to me. But the thing that they also say is just like, oh, Strudy, when you're mad, you're like, we know you're mad. It's like the word. And I don't think I go on an elaborate guilt trip, but I guess whatever energy I'm exuding, mm-hmm. they're like, it's the worst guilt trip in the world. And I'm really not trying to do it intentionally, but mm-hmm. I guess I just want to press the point more about the specificity of it and with female friendships mm-hmm. um, and how pure and almost vile is in the word, but it's like, so because it's so pure and beautiful, it can be something that's so poisonous, if that makes sense. Oh, definitely. I think nothing hurts more than, um, when I feel betrayed by one of my female friends, it's Mm -hmm. like, and again, I don't take betrayal very well. So I will, it feels so, um, personal. And it's also so much to do with like, she doesn't value our friendship and we've been friends for like a million years and how dare she. And, you know, and the thing is though, is that I'm also one of those people that's like, but if they came back and apologized, I'd be like, okay, water under the bridge. That's it. You know, like that's it. But because the, the, the person may, may not, this is getting so specific, actually, like I'm getting really like, a specific memory, a specific <laughs> friend is like, I'm like, conjure oh up. God, I'm going to scream. Um, so yeah, there's, there's so, so much, so much time and energy and memories that come together that I think I have more of with particular people that I've been friends with over the years than my romantic relationships. I truly don't have, I like don't love storylines about relationships. I'm just like, I mean like romantic relationships. I'm like, I could take it or leave it to be honest. Like, (laughs) I just feel like, and maybe, you know, it's not like I've read a lot of Shakespeare or anything, but it's like for a place that's so ripe with so much drama, I don't, I don't think Shakespeare ever wrote a play about a female friendship. And again, I could be wrong, but for, it seems like as an artist or as a writer specifically, one would be drawn to that kind of a space, right? That's why people are drawn to love stories in general, I think. But I still think that, and that's interesting that you said that it's maybe just not the right people telling the stories. You just don't have the right people telling the stories. Is, is, am I reiterating you mm-hmm. wrong? Or is that what you no, mean? definitely. I mean, maybe I'll write a next thing like that. We'll see. Don't count on me. I don't know. Don't put any pressure on me. You're not a writer. You've already know. said it yourself in this podcast. It's okay. No pressure. It's not your identity. I don't want to. Okay. But there's something specific that happens in Girlfriends and in Francis Ha and in Happy Hour. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that tension, which also like I, it gets me riled up too. I have my own experiences that are going to come yeah. out here. Um, between two women who are so inexplicably linked um, is that shock, that moment when you realize you're not the same because mm-hmm. you're so the same. You're this like unit. You finish each other's sentences, mm-hmm. which is something that, you know, Gala and Isa has. Um, and then there are moments where it's just like, you know, I don't think I'm spoiling anything when I say that Isa and Gala have a conflict, but it's so specific in that a female friendship fight where, and again, in girlfriends, especially there's a shock where you're like, wait a second, are you not me? You're doing yeah. something else that I'm not doing. Yeah. And the, 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 
what it triggers, and I'm pointing at myself and making it like what it triggers, but it does, it triggers mm-hmm. something really specific, but why, what, why people shouldn't all be the same. Should they? I don't think it's about like, I don't know if it's about sameness. I think it's very much about like, um, our ideas of growing older and what we all prioritize and what is important to us as people, as we get, you know, like as we kind of combat like these different um, circumstances in life, I think that, you know, in girlfriends and in Francis Ha, it's very much like domesticity versus like identity um, and also like career and independence versus like this, the, the, you know, traditional, um, the traditional feminine, like narrative arc where it's just like, you know, settle down, get be in a relationship. And I feel like that sometimes too, with my girlfriends who are like in these long-term relationships and then me who, who knows what I do. Um, and you know, sometimes I'm like, I don't want to see you with your boyfriend. Please leave him at home. <laughs> no, this, this, this is a PSA moment in this podcast. I, <laughs> I feel strongly. And this is also a PSA to those boyfriends in, in question who I think often mean well, but I need my girl alone. Yeah. Like you <laughs> we can't, should no, meet no, each no. other alone. Yeah. And I think, well, I guess in, in happy hour, like what the, the difference is, is that like they, it's the, the stress isn't really like that. It's not, not like in so like similar terms where it's more or less about um taking like how much, can you take on of taking care of one another when mm-hmm. you're so you're living this really precarious life and how much of that weight is put on one friend than the other. And, you know, so I think in that way, um, in the Issa and Gala friendship, you know, Issa is very much more of like the, the mother, the, the nurturer, the carer, not so in, not in so like warm traditional ways, but in like the, in like the house and home money, whatever, um, food situation. And in a way that lets Gala be a little bit freer than Issa. Um, even though Issa is the one that's like a little bit more street smart perhaps. Um, so that, you know, like, and then Gala, I think is able to keep a little bit more of a wild and carefree nature than Issa, where, where Issa is like structuring out like their like whole little world and uh, economic situation. <laughs> um, you want to hear a really funny story about Francis Ha and Greta Gerwig? <laughs> Absolutely, an exclusive, an exclusive story for this podcast. I, am obs- I made my friends watch <laughs> that movie like five times in theaters. They took step- my ex at the time has seen it so many times unwillingly. But go on, yes, you're gonna laugh. It's really so. Like, I think that this is actually like a really good like Isa. I like an example of what I mean. Like when I would was in my early twenties and I would have things to drink. Um, so. When I, I was in New York when I was 21, and obviously, like, I don't know, sure, we all apparently know that. Um, and I was at a very bizarre, like, reading, art opening, um, like, situation. I forget who what the magazine that was hosting it. But anyways, Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach were there. And it was, like, so... I was like definitely the youngest person in attendance and um, I was looking at them throughout the whole reading part and they were like whispering to each other and I was like, oh my God, I had just seen Francis Ha 
like a couple weeks before in theater and um, I hadn't had dinner. So um, I was just all good on go. the vino, like <laughs> just lapping up the vino. And I saw Greta was alone, uh, like at one point afterwards, or people were just chatting and I beckoned her over to me. And when I say beckoned, I literally did the, like the motion with my hand. And then she was like, who me? And I was like, bitch, yes, you what? Like, obviously you. And then she came over to me and I was like, hey, so I just wanted to say, I just saw Frances Ha and I do have a friend like with this in a, with a similar relationship like this. And she was like, oh, that's so nice. Da, 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 da. And then she was being so awkward. And me being again in my early 20s and and no fear, no shame. I was like, stop. You're being so awkward. Greta, I, oh my. Greta, I know what you're doing. You don't have to do that with me. Like, I get it. Like, don't worry. And then I was like, <laughs> we should the be. Girl. We- <laughs> the I was like, honestly, like we should be best friends, I think. And she was like, oh. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm going to the dinner too, like afterwards. And she was like, okay. And then um, my dear male friend collected me and was like we must go now (laughs) and I was like okay bye Greta kisses (laughs) see you later and I think she was so terrified um I think I was wearing like a like a a sheer like like floor length dress (laughs) like like teetering platforms and um so that's my my Greta Gerwig story I just like to say that you know she came when I beckoned her her. yeah yeah. That's Iconic, Marlo. The power Iconic. that I had at 21. Can you believe? I have to say, I'm really not trying to do this on purpose, but you are more and more blurring this line between <laughs> Audubon. <laughs> oh, honestly, I was just, um, I did a podcast with, uh, for the Mean Reds. We just interviewed Kelly McCormick, who has um, a movie coming out on the 6th called Sugar Daddy. And I was saying to her, I was like, your next project, you know, would be a really good like casting call as if you took down all the names of the men, the washed up kind of like actor men that are on Raya and you casted those guys. Can you imagine, you know, who's on there? Owen Wilson. Perfect. Those that, that like, he needs that like McConaughey, like, like resurgence, like in an art house film or something. We need, we need him back. I don't know if he needs it, but it would work. I don't know if he needs it though. I don't know. Like what, what else are they doing? You know, I hear that he, he he goes running anyways. (laughs) He goes running. <laughs> That's your next novel. It's just like a list of the celebrity <laughs> ghosts. <laughs> I love it. I'm Demois. Okay. Like, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> I mean, I thought so. I suspected it this whole time. <laughs> um, the men in this book are very clearly side characters. Mm-hmm. They aren't really the central part of the book. And on page 62, Issa muses... And it's not that we're too smart for that, because we are. It's just that turning a night into some form of romance takes us out of ourselves. It's a chance to see who we are through the eyes of someone who doesn't really know us. How else can we learn what is effective? This felt like a rare moment where Issa imbues, like, actual value onto men. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that the right reading? And, and if it is, what is the value? <laughs> well, they do sometimes pick up the check well that's a good thing that's a nice thing that they do um I just I just want listeners to know that Marla took a sip of some wine before 
Um, Uttering sentence. Fair value. I mean, in this novel, I think their their main their main thing is like for them to pass the time, and they kind of. I think Issa especially kind of really likes to go on dates and and thinks it's amusing and. I I think that the, and there's a line like later on that I always think of is a really nice way to think of life in general is that like men just punctuate the story you don't need them as like the focal point you they just they just like they come and go it's a revolving door who like whatever it doesn't really I think that like <sighs> so wait you were asking me what their purpose is. did you mean in the novel or did like in life I meant, I guess, particularly in the line that I, that stood out because, right. because everything that you're saying to me seemed quite evident as like Issa's mm-hmm. you know, way of thought. But in this particular line, she actually imbues some kind of value onto them that's interesting, which is that they are valuable in that they perceive you. Mm-hmm. And they reflect something back to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that that's good or bad, but it's interesting and valuable to have that perception thrown back at you. Right. I think, well, uh, you know, this is this comes from the idea that like these two girls are are in really close quarters together. And I think what happens often is that um, so much of what they like to do is being perceived in the world. Um, And they like to like experiment with how their presence is going to affect uh, any sort of environment like give or take whether that's a restaurant or a party whatever um I think that with these men you know I think that what's funny about like young women is often when you go into a situation with a man who's probably like you know like older than you they're often like oh like you're so like fresh and like so interesting and funny and like what's this about um And often I think that these girls know that that's bullshit, but it's also like passing time in a fun way where. Isn't it a high though? It's a bit of a high. Even if you know it's bullshit, it's, it's, it's intoxicating a bit. I think that what's, what is um, interesting about it. It's, it's not necessarily what they're saying, but it's the fact that you like what she's saying in that line is the fact that you can create that effect is, um, is kind of, the idea that you can be like a bit of like a, an expert in something like, <laughs> and these girls are kind of experts in themselves in a way. And in being young girls. Yeah. And that's kind of like what they're peddling. And the idea that like, in, I know that scene and the, the whole thing is that they just don't want to go home ever. Like they just want to be out all the time. And um, I remember like that feeling so clearly where you are just like someone just texts you at some point in the night and you're just like whoa like a whole new opportunity and possibility happens and it doesn't matter whether it's going to end well or not it's just that it presented itself in the first place and that's like that takes you out of like your 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 like stuffy little not air conditioned apartment for like one night. And, um, that's kind of what keeps them going. It propels them into the world. It propels them like every night after night. And that's why they're kind of inexhaustible. On page 78, Gala says newly minted men are always looking to be punished. What did she mean by that exactly? I think that was like a kind of like a, a joke about like, um, 
subs actually like, <laughs> um, I did not get it, I did not get it. <laughs> sorry um <laughs> um I think that like that's that is well no it's like a it's a joke about subs actually <laughs> like that's a joke about that so that's what she's talking about <laughs> okay we'll leave it at that <laughs> It's very literal. It's much more literal yes. than I guess. <laughs> um, there's a section in the book. I can't, these next few questions is just me like trying to get relationship advice out of you. I'm now learning. I love about that. <laughs> I, it makes sense. I'm here with- for you with that. Like I'm literally however long, just oh, keep the questions coming. I, I like love answering relationship questions so oh my god I actually yeah sorry guys we're gonna have to stop recording when I get into but anyway you can guess how much of this is revealing there's a section in the book possibly my favorite section I've decided especially having reread it recently where a woman named Annabelle imparts marital wisdom onto Issa it's a beautiful passage so I'd rather not quote it I'd rather readers sought it out in the book itself but it essentially critiques the idea that young women just spend their lives waiting around to be loved. And, you know, it asks if this is even true. And if it is true, then why is it this way anyhow? So I wanted to ask you the same question. Is it true? And if it is, why is it anyhow? Like, wait, where? tell me the root of, like, you have to tell me the passage. <laughs> okay, wait, because it like, she's basically like, um, I know what you're talking about, like the idea that like the the girls are kind of waiting to be chosen, like waiting for mm-hmm. like the right person who has like you, who's going to be nice to them, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Yes. OK, wait, I don't really understand the question. Tell me, I like, is it true that that is the case that? Well, Annabelle is basically arguing that this is what women secretly or not secretly. This is what women want. And why should it be that way? At least that's how I read the passage. And so I wanted to ask you, is this what women want? And should it be that way? So I think in that passage, what the character of Annabelle is saying is that um, what we, what happens, I think, in modern dating is we go through a lot of really bad experiences and then the one guy that treats you really nice and like wants you and is like let's go all the way let's like get married let's do the whole nine yards let's do the kid thing and like whatever um and like and women are just like okay like wow a, a respite from the 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 battlefield of dating in the contemporary life um and I think what she's saying is that like that's not enough, especially when you are someone that any anybody would get along with. And I think that's the the main takeaway from that passage is that you know um, Isa in her form and in the way that she is, you know she can probably like talk to anyone and she's you know, again, she could date anyone she wanted. If she, she really wanted to, she could probably dive right in. Um, but it's not enough in that way, but it is something that you start to, and I found this too, a real, a real struggle is like, as you get older, you're like, I've always asked why this person doesn't like me and isn't, um, 
treating me the way that I want them to treat me. It's more or less like, but why am I interested in this person? Like what, you know, like flipping the idea and being like, well, what about this person do I even like? And so it doesn't even matter if the person's being nice to you. It's like, it's like, are you as enamored with them as they are with you? And that's a question I think that women often don't ask themselves enough is like, what do I want from this person? Cause I think that like, again, like it's this dynamic that's very, peculiar but we we always want to be like loved but we don't really ask ourselves enough about like how like how can we love the other person in a similar way and like admire them and have those feelings of like um desire instead of just being the one that is desired you know uh so I think that that's kind of where that passage comes from um and yeah like I think that like that's something that I always I think like I think of that passage in particular and I think of the passages about Noel a lot as things that like I still really think about like and struggle with in my life and it's so insane that I wrote that when I was like 23 and I'm like I'm like okay (laughs) still happening this is not a no, I mean, I think it's a lifelong, <laughs> oh, I don't want to say it's a lifelong thing, but while you were talking, I was thinking, and I'm, I hope I'm not misremembering, I think this is a Sex in the City quote type thing. Try me, where, I'll probably know. <laughs> yeah, me. maybe it's Miranda, but it's about like men are like cabs and you're just waiting for the one that like turns the light yeah. on. Yes. And I hate that. I hate I that. Hate it. Like, uh, I just hate the idea that um, the worst thing is, like sometimes I've, I've gotten a lot better now because I feel like it's annoying to me that it took like me publishing a book or all these things to be able to be like, how dare they? (laughs) And now it's like, it's like, I truly cannot even believe that this man thinks that he can take up all this time and I am a published author. (laughs) what the fuck um obsessed obsessed. but we should all have that attitude no like we're not all published authors no totally I yeah yeah yeah. I think that like uh you know I and I've said this before which I always think is quite funny is that um I used to have when I did when I did my trampoline hall talk I had this uh, I talked about glamour and dating and how, how both of those things are like really in- incompatible. And one of the examples I had just giving like some notes from my dating experiences was that um, it's funny to me that the head of like a French TV network will would um, message me like on the hour, every hour, like no matter what, like, sorry to keep you waiting. And yet like the next door local bartender is like so busy. And it's like, how, what do you mean? I don't understand. I don't know. To get too into this thing is like, is like a whole other, like a whole other hour. But I think that they are, um, and this is what happens to Issa in the novel with Noel, right? It's like, she's like outlining. She, she, you know, is outlining all these things. Like, why is it that um, when I message you, we can never hang out. But like, when you message me, it's like, I have to be available and write, like, you know, like write that second and all these things. And, and um, 
it's I mean that's Carrie and Mr. Big though it's just the oldest story in the book of course and the the thing is is that you often in those situations you're like tricked a little bit you're like I got an inch and now I want it all and they won't let me have it and it's this like tug of war and it's so infuriating and Issa really goes through that she's like I don't understand like why can't I have this um Mm -hmm. and you know I but ultimately like I what I liked about writing those characters and those men is that I love the way Issa thinks about men and I think that like she's so desirous and she's so um like she has this funny like way of being like having a crush a little bit. She's like, Oh, like, and he, the way he looks and the way he like moves and the way he smells or whatever is it, it. And writing that was actually very fun because you got to make up a crush on something mm. fictional entirely. <laughs> and that's like fun to play act to like be like, oh, I, I can write out like her being like really like taken by someone. And, and that's and that's also like a fun thing to see her do because it is like getting her out of this very composed and manicured um, way of being. On page 36, an outfit is what you wear, but a costume is something to really believe in. This sentence shares an affinity in both physical style and literary style. Clothes should be as smart as words. Can you talk to me about this relationship with the two mediums? I know, I know you're interested in both. <laughs> so, I mean, again, I think that like what, uh, actually we didn't talk about it on this, in this section, but I think that what's, what is happening in contemporary literature right now is often that we there's a lot of writers that come out of MFA programs and everything is a very high standard, but I don't know whether it's, there's like a memorable style to a lot of these writers. And it's, it's something that I think is just, um, yeah. And if you'll probably see this in like a few things that I'm going to be that are going to come out in the next few months where I talk about this quite a lot, but the idea for me with uh, writing has so much to do with and so connected with painting and fine art is that, you know, there's so much to, um, again, it is, it is like really a talent to be able to draw and paint and do like figures and shadows and perspective and all these things. But after you get taught that, like really what happens um, when you go to school is like you're supposed to really like branch out and create and develop a style that is very unique and will set you apart and is distinct, right? And um, I think that with writing, that's not necessarily been as um, prioritized in the way that it's taught maybe. And of course, like it's really hard to be a, a good writer. Um, but I wish that people were more like experimental and fun. And, and obviously like, I guess this goes to like really compares to like my idea of style is, you know, you can, you can have this, um, you can have, and I, this happens so much right now on Instagram that it's so crazy. Cause I feel like slowly, but surely the, the Instagram style and all the kids I see on TikTok, they're slowly coming closer to like how I dress. And I'm like, 
what is happening? They're like inching closer and closer. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but I feel like what's happening is that like sometimes I look at something and I'm like, this is so um, style by numbers, paint by numbers. Like it's, it's so... Um, like managed and you can like really pinpoint like, Oh, like I'm going to do this and put it together with this. Like this is going to work. And this is going to be something that will at least be stylish and seen to be um, cool or something. And I think this all connects in the way that I feel about aesthetics in general is that you can have like these, these uh, instructions, but I don't think that makes you, um, it doesn't make you stand out and it doesn't make you exceptional. So I think that there is this like, eventually I think that those people with a lot of style and a lot of, uh, that are trailblazing and, and all these things, they will like, you know, the cream rises, all this jazz. Um, but you know, I think I, I take it all in the same kind of, I take it all in the same stride. Like, I feel like it's so similar. It's like, this is, I could not think of doing it in any other way with um, my own writing style. I think that uh, definitely with Issa, there, I've had years already away from this manuscript. So I've moved to, not like generally moved away, but Issa was such a distinct voice that I had to move away a little bit. I pared down for a few years um, with my fiction. And then I like kind of went back to this kind of, closely resembling Issa's voice, but not exactly. I, it's just about like finding um, your own way uh, and your stride. And, and I don't know. And I think that that's so much about the way people dress as well. It's like you can learn so much about it. And that's what's so interesting to me about the way people are dressing right now, because like there's so many like mood boards and, the Pinterest and all these things <laughs> and people are putting everything together in such a crazy way. And like, and it's so, it's so um, divorced from its original context that when you actually put it all together, it doesn't, it feels, it rings hollow. And I feel like that's so similar to like how I feel about some contemporary writing where it's like, it's good. And I feel it, but it doesn't make me feel anything um, that, I would like learn about life afterwards after reading it, you know? And I think that that's what I want people to take from my work. I want people to be like, you know what? This has encouraged me to like live life a little bit, like, you know, throw caution to the wind or whatever. Like to wear red. If I would never wear red, wear red, wear some color Wear like, you know, put a scarf in your hair. Who knows? <laughs> Why not? The other blurb for the book. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, put a scarf in your hair. Happy hour. <laughs> Both you and Issa identify as self as party girls. Yeah. And I can relate. I'm always opting for entertainment, pleasure, mm -hmm. another drink. Um, but inherent in that lifestyle that I feel like we don't talk about enough is the sobering up. Mm -hmm. You know, the harsh light of day when the glitter fades. And there can be this disconnect between the girl you wake up to and as the between the girl you were the night before mm -hmm. um and on page 149 but isn't it who I am who goes out into the world do those few lonely moments when I return inward away from noise and glamour really count can you talk to me about that disconnect hmm so I think that like that is often 
that is definitely like the 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 sobering aspects of identifying as like a, a party girl let's say is you know in the morning you're like oh god like you have that like wash over you you're like what should I say what did I say and I think it's about like tempering that a little bit and being a little bit more generous and like kind with yourself what did I say to Greta Gerwig I think that with that particular passage I think that that's often like when you are at home alone like are you still who you say you are and like how can you tell because you're always bouncing off of other people and I think that that's one of the things about Issa and I think it's like a flaw in her is that she often feels like she needs to entertain people and I think that that's really the um her tragedy. And I think that even for myself, like that took me a long time to realize that I didn't have to do anymore. Um, and the idea, I think with the, the thing that I hate when people talk about party girls anyways, is that like, there's often this like a uh, narrative of like addiction and reform. And, you know, I think like my idea of the party girl is like forever, you know, like you are just, the, it's a, t- a certain type of like fearlessness that I think is um, that you should take on with you as you get older, no matter what. I think um, it doesn't need to be like this, this weird narrative of like addiction, um, alcoholism, reform, like, uh, you know, like born again <laughs> like uh, situation. But I do think that sometimes, you know, like, Everything looks different in the day. And I think that sometimes there has to be this um, difference about and understanding that is um, comes with the trade. You know, I have a friend who is like the most glamorous person I know, actually. And he often when we go out and we, you know, before the pandemic, we used to go out out in a way that was like the last time we went dancing it was like so chaotic that something on Instagram. No, Maybe. you wouldn't I have. have a guess. You no, have. I think I have a guess. I know. Oh, you know who here. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, um, okay. So yeah, he's my best one of my best friends and he like before the pandemic even started like I think like the Christmas or something we really went out out and like the next day we were like, we were both like, we won't talk about this for at least a week. We cannot discuss this for at least a week and then come back to me in a week. And now you know, we refer back to that night all the time where it's like, can you remember like Marlo went home with a rugby player and she disappeared into the night and I we were like dancing with like $50 bills and, and like everyone was like, like, where did they come from? Why, why are they here? Like, um, so I think that like a healthy distance is always important if you are that kind of person and that's fine. And sometimes he'll, he'll go out and like, be like, I'll be like, what did you do? And he'll be like, I can't talk about it yet. And that's, that's natural, you know, at your own pace. I think that's fine. And, and I think that that's like also a really good trick to continue behaving that way (laughs) and continue to be fresh upon every new party to never really be like super remorseful. I think that you have to be like, 
let's just take this moment, not speak of it, and then we'll reset and do it all over again. I think I asked you this the last time we spoke, which I thought was a year ago, which says a lot. It wasn't. It was September, (laughs) apparently. (laughs) But in light of the pandemic, and I guess now that we're unlike September, now closer to some sort of horizon of like a hopeful future, Mm -hmm. what do you think the future um, of the party girl is in a post-pandemic world? Asking for a friend. <laughs> oh, in oh chaos. Okay, so I think that it's going to be chaotic. I think there's going to be um, a lot of dressing up, wearing all the things that were dusting before. I think it's going to be uh, a little bit more. I think like the balls in your court. You know, like I feel like at least for me. Sometimes I realize that I post some things on my Instagram. I'm like, I'm really revealing myself to be a little bit like, um, how does one say? Uh, mm, Like, mm, like not slutty, but like, you know (laughs) what I mean? Like, I just, sometimes I reveal myself. I'm like, and I'm like, oh, like this isn't like super apparent to people, but I feel like, if you know me, you know, and if you know, you know, if you know, you know. So, yes, I think the ball is definitely in our court here. It was so funny when you were talking about the, the, the TikTok thing and like noticing that, you know, the youth is starting to dress more and more like you. And you're like, what are you doing here? I am having that on apps where I'm having guys message and I guess match with me and they look 12. And I was like, what are you doing here? Is this happening now? Is this, are we in the same world? Do we inhabit the same communal space now? Oh my God. No, you know what? It is the craziest thing is that um, there are men now on TikTok. I watch so much TikTok and Mm -hmm. the guys on there, I'm like, oh, this guy must be 30 at least. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 24, 25. I'm like, what water are you drinking that you look <laughs> like like the combined ages of me and my best friend? Like, how is that happening? And what is that about? I think um, I did lower the ages on some of my dating apps to be like, maybe I'll try it out. But then I instantly regretted it. Like I might as well just actually DM the guys on TikTok then like try to find similar um, paler replacements. I think I'm just going to get tricked. I think I'm going to say yes to everything because I already said yes to everything. And now I'm propelled to even do that more so after having been like, you know, closed up for a year. And then I think I'm just going to find myself having a lovely time possibly. And I think I'm just going to end up dating a 12 year old by accident, which is actually a, a huge, it's illegal. <laughs> okay. Wait, no. So it's really funny. Cause I actually no the guys, I follow like a couple of guys on TikTok that are literally, yeah. Once again, like 23, 24, 25. Yeah. And, um, they're really just like pristine figures of the, uh, of like their, kind I would say Mm. and it's like it's like crazy they didn't even have the chance to like I don't want to I don't know they they didn't they don't even they don't even have that like aged moment yet they haven't even reached that situation I guess because they have they're not they're also not like 25 they're like frontal lobe is not developed so and how does that make you feel I've actually never 
encountered a younger man before. But to be honest, like, I don't think in my entire life I have met a 21 year old man. Like, I don't, <laughs> unless I was like maybe 16, I was like, I've met a 21. But like, I actually, ooh, I actually have never met a 21 year old man before. I like, don't even know what that's like. Like, even on like a, just a casual basis. Do you want to? Based on TikTok, I guess. Yes. I would say yes. I think. I think I'm really excited about post-pandemic world to be able to be yes girl again, but I'm also scared <laughs> because being yeah. yes girl also means waking up to regrets. Be a li- I feel like it's more like you have to like be a little bit, a tiny bit moderate. Like you've got to be like a little Are bit Are you like, saying this? <laughs> I'm just saying in terms of like, you don't want to get burnt out because like that's, mm. that's a whole thing. And bur- burning out also like then it, equ- it like turns into wrinkles. And all I'm saying mm. is that's enough to scare me off of being too cuckoo sometimes. <laughs> like if it's, if you're like, like that's the reason why I drink water. Like, the only I, reason I don't like drinking water. It's really a chore, but then I will do it because they're like, you know, you'll get wrinkles and it's like okay true like I want to be as hydrated as possible collagen making (laughs) this book is very serious about fun Mm -hmm. is fun serious yes of course I think it's like one of the core parts of living and being young and I hate the way people think that lightness is unserious and I hate the way people think that those things shouldn't be focused on or given weight. Like I, it's so interesting to me that like they, the way that we, especially, you know, like it's, it's, I always try to make it like not a, um, like very coyly from like a racialized perspective, coyly. So, very coyly because I cannot stand the way people are like, I'm going to buy this book to make me feel better, better about myself. Cause you know, like she's not white. <laughs> like, I absolutely hate that. But mm-hmm. you know, like I get that that's a thing. And, um, for me, like fun is like the only thing that like gets me up in the f- morning. Like why else? Like what I'm going to brood about, like I've watched those cult documentaries And you know how they're always like, I needed someone to like truly understand my deep core, like sense of self and all these things. And I'm like, who thinks of that? Like, just go out, like go to karaoke or something, like sing a little, sing a little bop, like do yourself a favor, honey. Like, I don't know, like, or like do, like do anything else, but like, I, I don't. And I think that that is like such a, it's this, all these like super, like uh, very traditional ideas of like what we think is serious literature, which I hate. I I understand that people like love plot, like cannot relate, like whatever. Like, I feel like it, it, what's hilarious to me is that like um, people were like, oh, there's not enough plot in this book. But I'm like, people, things are happening every single day. You're just not on the wavelength that we're at. Like every night is a story. Every night something's happening and that's enough. And that should be like, that I would rather have a novel be like a slice of a life that maybe you'll never know about than be like, this is the trauma story of like an abortion and, and like all these things and death and grief and all these things. And those things have happened to these girls, but like, that's not their, the thing that they want to share. Like, 
you know, who hasn't had an abortion? Like we all have. And like Issa has, like she mentions it very briefly, but like, you know, I think that like fun is something that we should celebrate. And like, I also am so serious about like joy and expressing joy in, in literature and like, and also sharing that with people. I think that's the, the most interesting and fun thing that I can connect to with readers is that the fact that like I, wrote something that makes them feel a positive way about life and wants them, makes them want to be like bold and fun and like go out and like, and have like a crazy wild best friend (laughs) or something. Like if you can do all those things and um, with like the encouragement of this novel, that is, that is so beyond even like my own power that like it makes me, so proud of those people that can do that like good for you like thank god like that was the reason I don't care about anything else and one time I was being interviewed and someone was like do you care about like these like kinds of like very serious um like you know literary people like thinking your work is uh good and I'm like those are not my prime that's not my primary audience here like I did not come here to to create something that like some guy in a disgusting New York apartment who writes, you know, like two essays a month about like the horrors of capitalism to be like, you know, like for them to take me seriously. I don't really care. I, I, for me, I love when like these girls who are like, who buy a book, like maybe like twice a year are like, I loved your novel. And I'm like, you know what? Good. thank you I love that like thank you for buying this book like that's so that's so much more special to me like than than these people but you know I don't know thank you Marlo you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) happy hour is still in stores at St. Henry Books on you know on the weird era shelf go pick it up today if you have it (laughs) 